welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Hey guys, how's it going? Good, good, good. Are you guys happy you came to church tonight? Good, me too. Well, obviously I'm not Pastor John. Um, I have slightly darker hair and um, more olive skin tone. But they are in Las Vegas. They decided to go to some camp meetings up there with the the Vegas church, our our family up there. Um, They got to see Jesse last night, and I believe they're in a meeting right now with Mark Hankins. So, um, yeah, they're just getting word. And uh, they're going to bring it back to us, and I'm sure they're going to share it. It's going to be exciting. I mean, how many like when your pastors go and get refreshed and get built up on the word? You know, it's not for their benefit. It's for our benefit. And um, it's so good to see everybody. So I just thought I'd let everybody know that's where they're at. On, a, on another note, I'm going to be a daddy again. So, yeah. So praise God. Hallelujah. It wasn't planned, but... Praise the Lord, it's happening, and um, Judah is going to be a big brother too. I don't know, a boy or a girl, we'll see. People are like, so what, what, do, you, what do you want it to be? And don't give me the, as Matt called it, the politically correct answer. I'm like, you know, I'd, I'd like it to be a girl, you know, but you know, if it's a boy, I'm totally cool. I grew up in a household of women, so I'll gladly take two boys. So either way, I'm good. So praise God. It's going to be awesome. Rachel's doing great. She's only thrown up a few times. So um, pray for her. Yeah. Where are you at? Oh, okay. Never mind. I thought I heard her. But um, yeah, pray for her that uh, she doesn't have morning sickness all day long, 24-7, so um, cool. All right, are you expecting to hear from heaven tonight? You know, I think one thing that COVID taught us is that we shouldn't take for granted being together. Um, We shouldn't, and I think that's probably the most important lesson that I've learned is I shouldn't take for granted things that um, I did all the time. Um, We used to go to the mall and there was actually stores in the mall um, used to go to the movie theaters, used to be able to do things that we never thought would be taken away from us, and we didn't even come to church for a while. So it's important that we don't take it for granted, that we're here, able to be in one accord with each other, to hear the word, to fellowship with each other, because um, that's what church is. It's about hearing the word, and it's about community, uh, being around people of like precious faith. Amen? So you guys are expecting, right? You guys are expecting. All right, I wanted to do something real quick. We did it in healing school, but I thought it'd be good tonight um, to make a little declaration. Are you guys ready to declare some things about who you are? So, all right, so why don't you stand up? Um, you know, in a world that's constantly telling you negative things about yourself, maybe how you look, how, what your weight is, how smart you are, how smart you aren't, it's important to declare what the Bible says about you, right? All right, so why don't you repeat after me? Say, I am blessed. I am, blessed. I am prosperous. I am, prosperous. I am redeemed. I am, redeemed. I am, forgiven. I am forgiven. I am talented. I am, talented. I am, creative. I am creative. I am disciplined. I am, disciplined. I am focused. I am I am confident. I am am secure. secure. 
I am prepared. I am qualified. I am motivated. I am valuable. I am free. I am determined. I am equipped. I am empowered. I am anointed. I am accepted. I am approved. I am not average or mediocre. I am the child of the Most High God. Amen. Do you guys believe that? Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. See, it's important to declare what the Bible says about you because the devil will always be trying to tell you what he thinks you are or who he wants you to be. Or maybe it's people. Um, maybe that coworker just seems to not like you or your boss or friend or even a family member. Um, it's important to declare what your heavenly father says about you. And there's a lot about you. He, he says a lot about you. Where's, where's it said? In the Bible. Want to know who you are more? Read the Bible. Don't leave it on your nightstand. Amen? All right, I better get into this. I want to talk to you tonight about a very important but often misunderstood word in the Bible. If you can grasp and desire to fulfill this word in your life, I truly believe you will have, actually, I guarantee you will have godly success in your life. Guarantee it. Because the Bible guarantees it. Amen? And the Bible's truth. You guys ready to dig into it? All right. I got you on edge. Ooh, what is it? Ooh, ooh. It's not a sexy word by any means. All right? But it's a word that will change your life. Um, well, you guys are like, oh my gosh, he said sexy in church. Oh my gosh. Stop it. All right, let's go to Matthew 25. We're going to read verses 14 through 30. And we are going to talk about the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. So Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. So I'll read the whole story and then we'll dissect it. So it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a faraway country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. How many of you thankful that God will never um, call you to something um, bigger than what you can handle? Whatever he's called you to do, it might seem big to you, but he's given you the power and the ability to fulfill it. Amen? If it doesn't look impossible, you wouldn't need God. That's why we need to trust him. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more as well. And he who had received one, <laughs> like the guy who received one, <laughs> but he who received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Probably not a good idea. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, and this is something we all want to hear when that day comes. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. How many of you guys want to hear that? He also, who had, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, 
good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Notice that um, the amount of talents that was originally given didn't affect the reward in the end. Maybe somebody has received more than you. It doesn't matter. You will still get the same reward as somebody who maybe looked like they received more. Amen? All right, then he, he who had received the one talent, uh-oh, came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you not have sc scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Well, at least he's given him back what he gave him. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Could have at least done that. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance. But for him, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ouch, do not want to be that guy. Um, yeah, do not want to be that guy. So tonight we're going to be talking about faithfulness. True faithfulness. Not what the world says faithful, faithfulness is, but what the Bible says faithfulness is. Amen? And it might surprise you. It surprised me. So why don't we pray real quick, real quick. Father God, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we declare that we have ears to hear, Lord, and eyes to see all you have for us in the scriptures. We open up our ears to you. We thank you for speaking to us. And we declare after tonight, we'll make changes and we'll never be the same. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, so I like to go and see what words mean, first in the English and then in the original language it was written in, depending on which part of the Bible you're reading. If you're reading Old Testament, it's Hebrew. If you're reading New Testament, it's Greek. So, um, old Google Webster's Dictionary says um, that faithfulness means steadfast in affection or allegiance, loyal. An example is a faithful friend. Uh, second definition from Webster is firm in adherence to promises or observance to duty. An example of that is a faithful employee. Somebody who does um, everything that needs to be done, is always there working, faithful employee. The Greek word for faithfulness is pistos, P-I-S-T-O-S. And it means faithful. Another word is trusty. And it means persons who show themselves faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, or the discharge of official duties. Um, one, who, one who kept his plighted faith, but I like this part, worthy of trust. And then it says one that can be relied on. So see, we, uh, in the English, we typically say uh, faithfulness, a word, Similar to it would be loyal, loyalty, right? A more accurate word um, in the context of Scripture and what it was written in a more accurate word similar to it would actually be trustworthy. Trustworthy. Now, loyalty is a part of it. Don't get me wrong. We want to be loyal to God, right? 
Yeah, we, we don't want to not be loyal, but actually a more accurate word would be trustworthy. Trustworthy. So think about this. Biblical faithfulness is not just loyalty to God. It's one step higher. It's him being able to trust you, to trust you with things. And he's given us a lot, right? It's not just taking care of his things. It's actually doing something with the things he's given you. Amen? All right, so example. So um, example of trustworthiness. You probably don't need this, but I'll give it to you anyway. When I got married to Rachel, um, I actually had to be able to trust her. <laughs> I mean, that'd be kind of weird if you got married and you weren't able to trust your spouse. Um, so one of the things you pro I needed to trust her with was um, to be able to deposit my uh, check from uh, work. That's probably a good thing you should be able to trust your spouse with, right? But you're not just going to trust anybody else with that, correct? But I had to start giving her opportunity for me to trust her. Um, obviously, I trust her with my life. At any point, she could probably, so that's, that's important, right? Yeah, so it's got to trust you with my life. Uh, so that, that's a big step. Uh, <laughs> the point is, is because I'm married to her and because we got in the covenant, um, I should be able to trust her and she should be able to trust me. Marriage is based on trust, right? So, and the Bible correlates the, relationship between Christ and the church as a marriage, right? So he not only wants us to trust him, but he wants to be able to trust us. Um, Judah is 18 months old. I'm probably not going to give him the keys to our car to drive at this point, right? Right? Because I can't trust him with it. He's not old enough, nor would he reach the pedals. Uh, it's too big for him right now to be able to do that. But one day, when he's grown up, when he's old enough, when he's matured, I'll be able to give him the keys to the car, right? You know, when we first become Christians, God obviously cannot trust us with more important things because we're babies, right? Thing about um, spiritual growth, different from physical growth, is that you can stay a baby the rest of your life if you wanted to spiritually. You don't have to, you don't have to grow. You don't have to mature. You could stay the same age spiritually the rest of your life. Amen? So what am I trying to say here is the more mature you get in God, the more mature you become as a Christian, God will be able to trust you more with his things. Amen? All right, let's go back and look at what made these servants faithful. Uh, verses 20 through 22. Um, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And he said the same thing for the guy with two. So the servant just didn't take care of the talents he was entrusted with. What did he do? He multiplied them. He increased them. He grew them. Right? That, that's what it says, right? I'm not just making this stuff up. So here's the thing. The, thing. the things God has entrusted you with, 
whether that be gifts, abilities, talents, a spouse, children, possessions, uh, relationships, other relationships, not just with your, your family, our witness, right? Our witness to the world. How about knowledge in the word? All these things, and there's a bunch more examples that he's, that he's given to us. I'm talking everything. We're not only just supposed to take care of these things, we are supposed to multiply these things. We are supposed to make them better. We are supposed to help them grow. And if we're not, well, we don't want to talk about that, right? <laughs> we don't, that, that becomes the servant with the one talent which we'll get to in a second. So see, faithfulness is not just being loyal. It's a part of it, don't, please don't misunderstand me. It is a part of it, but it's not just that. It's not just taking care of something that was entrusted to you. It's about multiplying it, making it better, making it bigger, increasing. God is a God of increase. And if something is not growing in your life, if something is not multiplying in your life, then it's dying. There, there's, no, there's no middle ground here. It's either flourishing with life or it's on the road of death. Amen? You're like, oh, it's a little heavy, right? But it's Wednesday night. You guys are good. You guys can handle it. I'm trying to make this distinction because it's very important um, that we don't coast in things. We don't coast in our relationships with our children, with our spouse, with our boss. We don't coast in our knowledge of the word. We don't coast um, with the skills and talents and the abilities God has given us. I'm sure we can all think, can think of a, a scenario of a person or maybe, in an our, maybe even in our own lives where they had this great talent, they had this great ability, you know, they were a gift from God and they never did anything with it. Maybe it's something in your life, maybe there's a gift, there's a talent, um, there's a skill, something that you've never um, nurtured, but you know you've always had it. Um, I encourage you to pray about that and to ask the Lord what he wants you to do with it because he didn't gift you with things for yourself. He gifted you with things so that way you could be a blessing to others. So that way, number one, you could bless, be a blessing in the church. Number two, you could be a blessing to the world. Amen? You guys getting this? Youth, you getting it? Okay, good. They're like, oh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, okay, so let's go back and, and let's see what happens when you, when you don't multiply. And I know we already read it, but we'll reread it. Verse 24. Then he who, I who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid. You know, fear will make you do stupid things. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Okay, stop. Where did he get his information from? Did he really know this? Or did he get his information and allow somebody else um, to tell him this is what his master was like? The thing is, he, he could have had uh, a relationship with his master like the other uh, servants did. He could have known him just, just as well as the others. So where did he get, why didn't the other ones think this? Why didn't the other servants think this? First of all, is it even true? No. I mean, look what the master did to the servants um, who 
multiplied what they were given. What did he do? He gave them more. He didn't take it from them, like this guy said. Stealing, pretty much what he's saying is you're, you take things that you didn't start. You take, the, you take the results, you take the progress, and claim it as your own. That's pretty much what he's saying. Hmm. You see, there are many different opinions about who Jesus is in the world, even in the church. And if you're not careful, and if you keep feeding on the lies of the enemy, they will rob you of your reward. See, your perspective of Jesus is everything. Do you believe God's this kind of God? Or do you believe God is a good God? God is a just God. God is a God of love. He is love. He is truth. Now see, the thing is, is God's not a pushover. And he will say things, actually there's a lot of things in the Bible that can be hard to hear, but they're always said and written in a way of love. A father um, corrects who he loves, right? You're not a good parent if you're not correcting your kids, right? So we have to be careful that um, the things we're intaking, how do we intake information? With our eyes and with our ears that they're not trash cans, that they're not spiritual trash cans. Because if you feed on a lie long enough, you'll start to believe it. That's what's called deception. Anybody can be deceived. I can be deceived. Candy can be deceived. Sean can be deceived. Doesn't matter if you've been a Christian decades. You can be deceived. Sean's like, I'm not deceived. I'm not deceived. What are you talking about? But the point is, is anybody can be deceived. And you have to constantly be aware of what you're putting into yourself, who you're listening to. Do you believe what the world says you are? Or do you believe the things that we said earlier? I don't know that. You know that. God knows that. What you truly believe about yourself. Do you believe that you're blessed? Do you believe that you're qualified? Do you believe that you're valuable? Do you believe that you're empowered and anointed and accepted? I don't know. I can't answer that. You can, though. And the thing is, is the blood of Jesus covers any of your past mistakes that you made. They don't define you. Your mistakes don't define you. Just how good works can't get us to heaven, your, your bad mistakes and your sins won't keep you from heaven as long as you repent and ask the Lord to forgive you. Amen? What do you believe more? The power of sin and death or the power of the blood of Jesus? Amen? And guess what? You can tell what somebody believes by what they say, by what, by what they do, by their actions. They can come to church and be like, oh, praise the Lord. And then you hear them talking later in the week and they just seem defeated and, and like they have no life in them. Why? Because they were listening to the wrong stuff. They may have been listening to the right stuff on Sunday morning, but come Tuesday night, if they've been filling their, their uh, mind with the news, with what others say about them, that's not true, that's not what the Bible says, you'll yield to it. I just want to warn you that um, it's very important what you put in yourself. It's very important what you feed yourself on. Because what you behold, you become. What you put in front of you, you'll become. Amen? I wish I could tell you the devil will leave you alone, but he won't. The moment you think uh, 
you got it all the moment you think that you're good, well, he's right around the corner. He'll never leave you alone until you go to be with Jesus. I wish I, I, wish I could tell you better news, but guess what? You have the victory over him every single time. And even if you have to rebuke 300 thoughts a day, no, I am not that way, I am this way, I am not that way, I am this way, I am not that way, I am this way. The Bible says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he will flee to you. Don't, you can't just resist him, you have to submit yourself to somebody else, to God, amen? All right, we better keep rolling here. Wow, time is cruising. All right, um, where am I at? Okay, now the, the guy with one. Oh, did we already read that? Well, not again, right? Okay, it says um, in verse 24. No, we already read that. We read that. Okay, so the part about linking faithfulness to multiplication, this is huge because you actually have to go back to the original mandate of man to know that this is why the parable of the talents is so important. Let's, let's go there. Why, why don't we go there? Genesis 3, excuse me, Genesis 1. Genesis 1, and we're going to read verse 26 through 30. See, it's not just in the New Testament. It's actually way back. We're going way back. We're going to Genesis. Genesis 1, verse 26 through 30. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Sounds like he gave the earth to us. See, uh, I won't get into that just now. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and what? Uh, what, what, can you say that one more time? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, for it shall be your food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And so it was. What, what's, he all, what's he saying there? He gave it all to us. Now, he's the creator, so right, it, it's his, but he gave it to us. Why, why does all this bad stuff happen in the earth? Well, we messed up. It's not God's fault. You see, it's actually pretty simple to explain why a lot of, why the world's in the state it's in, is because we messed up. And Jesus, Jesus Christ will come back and will restore everything, but that's not right now. The reason things are the way they are is because of us. It's our fault. But he gave us victory through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go back. And it says, be fruitful and multiply. So our whole point of existence is to multiply everything the Lord has given us. Multiply. What's my purpose in life? What has he given you? Multiply it. Increase it. Make it better. Whether that's relationships like I said, possessions, um, relationships with your, your spouse and your, your children, 
whatever it is, your talents, your abilities, what are you supposed to do? Multiply it. Multiply it. Multiply it. So I want you to, coral, I'm trying to really, you know, drill this into your brain that faithfulness, if you really want to be a faithful child, a faithful servant, you need to multiply the things God has given you. You have a part to play in the body that I don't. You will influence people I never will, right? You have, some of you can play tennis. I cannot play tennis. But guess what? One day if you're out on the tennis court playing tennis and it gives you an opportunity to minister to somebody, that's multiplying, right? But he gave you that to richly enjoy as well. So God not only wants you to enjoy these things, but he wants, to, he wants you to use them for his kingdom. Amen? Oh, this is good. I hope you guys are getting it. So growth should be a part of our everyday lives. Whatever part of life isn't growing, like I said earlier, um, it's dying. Whatever we aren't multiplying, it's dying. Whatever we're not multiplying, we're not being good stewards of what we've been given. We need to be growing. We need to be multiplying. Amen? I feel like I'm a broken record, but I really want you guys to get this. That faithfulness is not just being loyal. It's multiplying what he's given you. Amen? That's why we come to church, right? To increase in our knowledge. But you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is applying that knowledge in your life. So you want to increase in knowledge because the Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, right? So we're here to increase our knowledge. We're here, we're here to use our gifts, right? Some people are really good with kids and they're working in children's church, praise God. Some people can play instruments and they're using their gifts for the kingdom of God. Some people are really good with um, maintenance stuff and they fix stuff in the church, amen? It's not just to be a blessing here, it's to be a blessing out there too. So everything that he has given us, we are going to multiply, amen? I want to leave this with you too. There is no limit on how much you can grow and multiply what God has given you. There's no limit. The ball's in your court. The decision is up to you. It's not up to God how much you grow or how much you multiply. Amen? It's up to us. That's the thing about God. He left a lot of things in our court because he doesn't like robots. He didn't, he didn't create us as robots. If he did, then we would still be in the Garden of Eden, right? We'd, we'd be in a perfect place. But he wanted people who willingly cho would choose him, would willingly come to him. I like what Keith Moore said when he was here. He said um, he truly believes that we really won't have to deal with um, ever departing from God, you know, millions of years from now when we're with him in heaven because we have seen the consequences of sin. Man, when we compare what, we, what we're in right now compared to where we will be, whew, it's gonna be beautiful. And we wanna take as many people there with us, right? Amen? Um, if you look at the life of Jesus, he was always multiplying, wasn't he? Man, he was multiplying fish and bread one day. He was multiplying healings the next day. But the most important part of his life, he multiplied. See, even the death, burial, and resurrection was all about multiplication. One seed in the ground, him, he died, right? One seed, one person, and when he 
was resurrected and gave power to the church, what happened? He multiplied. He, he got brothers and sisters. T millions of us, right? Millions. See, even the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is about multiplication. It's about multiplication. That's why uh, um, it says in Genesis, um, as long as you know, we're on the earth, you know, there's winter, summer, fall, spring, seed time and harvest. We preach, pastor preaches that all the time, right? About how you can sow something and then you will multiply it back to you. God is a God of multiplication and he's not a God of addition, but he's a God of multiplication. He likes to, things to grow a lot, a lot, a lot. Aren't you glad when you plant uh, a seed of something that it just doesn't grow one? That would be bad. <laughs> Man, oh, how many tomatoes are you going to have to plant? Well, 50 seeds will get you 50 tomatoes. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. But you can plant one seed, and depending on the type of plant, you can get 5, 10, 15, 20 of, the, of whatever it is you planted. See, it's even in our physical realm, farming, multiplication. God loves multiplication. I didn't like learning multiplication in school, but God likes multiplication because it's rapid. Amen? All right. If you are still breathing, you have an opportunity to multiply. Maybe you're looking back on some of the parts of your life and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm more like the guy with the one talent than I am with the guy with two or five guess what? You're still breathing. And guess what? The blood of Jesus will cover the, your past. If you repent, what God talks about um, redeeming the years. You know, he can do more in the next two years of your life than um, the last 50 years. He's, he's good at that. He can do, it doesn't, ma doesn't matter how old, how young you are, God can use you in a great way if you let him. How do we know what, what the plans of, of God are for our lives? Well, we have to pray, right? We have to seek him. And, you know, he's, he's not going to, uh, he's not an, the author of confusion. He loves, he loves to talk with us. I was talking in uh, healing school about this. We were discussing covenant on Monday. And the whole basis for the new covenant is that God wanted relationship with us, intimate relationship. And I told them in healing school, I said, there's no limit, just like how there's no limit to you multiplying your gifts and whatnot in this life, there's no limit to how much you know of God in this life. He will never hold back knowledge about himself to you. Now he's so big, well, we won't get it all in this life, right? But he will never hold it back from us. The only person that's holding back on a relationship with God is you, me. What we put before us, right? What we choose to feed on. I was telling them this as well, that um, Paul, you know, everybody know Paul, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the apostle. He got the greatest revelation of Jesus, right? Greatest revelation of Jesus, wrote two-thirds two of the New Testament, and he didn't spend one minute in Jesus' physical presence like the other 12. Yet, he got more revelation about who Jesus was and his um, death, burial, and resurrection than any of the 12 that 
spent physical time with him. What that tells me is I have no excuse. <laughs> he, got, he knew Jesus better than they did. And he didn't spend one minute in his physical presence. Wow, that's mind-boggling. I say that and it's mind-boggling. What am I trying to tell you? There's no limit on how much you get to know God in this life. There's no limit. And I'm not just talking about just praying and reading your Bible, um, you know, in your prayer closet or in a, you know, a special place, but when you're driving, when you're at the grocery store, he wants to communicate with you all the time, every moment of every day. He wants, to, he wants you to ask him where you want to uh, eat for lunch tomorrow. Hey, Jesus, where do you want to eat for lunch? Man, you should go Subway, stay fresh. You'd be like, okay, Jesus. <laughs> or maybe he'll leave it up to you. You know, a lot of times he'll leave the decisions up to you. But the Bible says, my sheep know my voice and as strangers they will not follow. Well, how do you get to know somebody's voice? You spend time with them, right? Like if my mom calls me on the phone, like, well, not right now because I don't have my phone, but if she calls me on the phone tonight, I don't even have to look at the who's calling. If I just hear her voice, I know it's her, right? If Rachel calls me and say it was blocked number, but I could hear her voice, then I know it's her. It's the same with God. That's how you can tell um, what's the enemy and what's God, by spending time with him. And he loves spending time with you, amen? All right, so uh, we need to start wrapping this up here. So I want you guys to do something. I want you to go home and I want you to talk to the Lord about areas of your life that maybe you've allowed to become stagnant, that maybe you haven't multiplied, maybe you haven't um, seen growth in it. I want you to talk to him about it. I don't know what that is, but you, you, and, you and Jesus talking about it, you'll figure it out and what it is. And... Um, he desires you to be a vessel of multiplication. How many of you want to, um, at that day when he's handing out rewards, say, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a little. I will give you more. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen? See, the more he can trust us, the more he'll give us. It's pretty simple. And that's not a works mentality. We are saved by grace through faith. Saved. Saved. Amen. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. All we have to do is believe in Jesus, right? And believe on the third day he was risen from the dead by the Holy Spirit. But in regards to rewards, it's all on us. It's in our court. The Bible says we were saved for good works. We were saved to be a vessel of honor. We were saved to be a vessel of multiplication. We were saved to change the world. Amen? And guess what? Each of us doing our part, we'll be out of here in no time. <laughs> the, the gospel will be preached everywhere, and uh, we'll be out of here in no time. So, you guys looking forward to that? Amen? But we got a job to do now. So I encourage you, go home, seek the Lord, ask him, what, is, what are things in my life that I have allowed to become stagnant? What are things that I'm not being faithful in? What are things that I'm not putting time and energy on that I need to be putting time and energy with? Amen. I want to read this and then we'll close. Um, this is actually uh, Brother Joel Osteen in his book. Um, he, he wrote a little um, section on this. 
And he says, as servants of the Most High God, we are entrusted with certain gifts, talents, and resources. When we obey his word, when we step out in faith and multiply what he's given us, we are being good and faithful servants. How do we multiply those gifts and resources? First of all, you have to step out and invest them in the kingdom. If you have a gift to teach, start teaching. Start in the children's ministry. He says, our son Jonathan has been deeply impacted by the teachers he's had, and we are so grateful. I can remember one teacher used to draw pictures while he was teaching. Every week, Jonathan would ask if he could bring those drawings home. That teacher was multiplying himself in Jonathan. He was stirring Jonathan's heart, and who knows where that man is today, but he's made a lasting impact on the lives of so many. He's multiplied himself. You know, sometimes when you're multiplying, it doesn't look like you're making any progress or doing anything, right? Oh, I'm just a children's worker in, in church. No, 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 you're multiplying, amen? You're putting the word in that child. It's very important. He says, you might be thinking, I don't know what gifts or talents I have. Sometimes you have to step out in faith and try something. So many people just sit around waiting on God. Then most, when most times he's waiting on them. Start somewhere, start investing in people, start sowing seeds of goodness, love, kindness, and compassion. And as you bless others, you are sowing your resources. And when you are faithful with little, when you are faithful to build God's kingdom with that with what you have in your hands, God will bless and increase you. He'll make you ruler over much. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the donate tab. 